Greetings art lovers and welcome to another edition of the Sight and Insight podcast. Uh, it's been so long since uh, we've managed to get together to uh, record a podcast, I can barely remember which buttons to press. So um, you'll have to forgive any technical glitches that turn up, but uh, we'll give it a go uh, and uh, see what transpires. See what words of wisdom our uh, <laughs> our guest today will have. We have the uh, very lovely uh, Connie <laughs> Lawin, Connie Nagel, and the... Equally lovely David P. Curtis. I, you see, I can't even put two words together without getting confused. <laughs> uh, but it will be nice to uh, to just chat about some art and have some intellectual conversation and opinions uh, out there rather than some of the uh, problems we've been dealing with just recently. I'm sure you all know that uh, you know life has been very challenging just recently. You're probably all in lockdown like uh, we have been. And it gets very difficult to face each day and and try to find something positive to go with. Uh, but when you have beautiful artwork on the wall, it gives you something, a kind of relaxing moment because it's something you can appreciate. It's not like watching uh, TV all day long and getting the latest updates. Personally, I find the artwork very soothing. Um, I hope you do too, uh, and I'm going to uh, go straight to uh, Connie to ask if she's going to have any words of wisdom to share with us about <laughs> these challenging times, uh, because obviously I'm totally unprepared for this podcast today. So Connie, let's go straight to you and see if you have any uh, any uplifting thoughts for us. Well, thank you, Judy, <laughs> and um, it's true. I mean, here we are in, in the midst of a pandemic and um, and in fact, it was these days that we decided that we would start the podcast and call it a safe haven in troubled times. And certainly, we're in troubled times. And um, and so, what David and I wanted to talk about was how we can use these times when we're um, sequestered in our homes that we can we can uh, paint, and that's what I've actually been doing. I've been, for the past 15 days, I've been painting, I've been repainting other paintings. I've um, painted a gigantic painting that was 42 by 58, uh, and, and what I did is I engaged my imagination, and I was working with um, the the uh, big huge mural like one is is one that already had a sky, and so I just sort of created the land or the landscape, and um, and I did it through my imagination, and I did it through the current thing that that David and I have been endorsing, and that is the blot method. So uh, this came from Alexander Cousins in 1750. Um, and was what we do is just put a wash down, and then you begin to see what comes out of that. But the the lovely thing about it is that it uh, allows you to automatically become engaged in your piece, and the piece is actually giving you information, uh, as opposed to you being the solo 
composer, plus playing all the instruments, <laughs> doing everything else, you, in fact, are beginning to engage with the piece and allow the piece to tell you what it wants. So I'm going to ask David what he's been doing in these past few days. Oh, very nice. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, and, and Connie showed me some of these these pieces that she's tra been transforming, and I, and I think the blot technique is uh, is definitely probably a universal technique, but just seen or interpreted slightly different differently. You know, yeah. um, the uh, abstract effect uh, Baldini, Giovanni Baldini was famous for in putting down an abstraction and then pulling a, a, a very very modeled figure out of that abstract. Um, and the thought was that maybe the abstract helps movement, and therefore the figures have a lot of movement. This, I think, was very popular in France at that time, really trying to give movement to a painting, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are people who designed, uh, like we thought of, uh, like Degas, yeah. and he designed, he didn't have to uh, figure out the modeling as much as he, the design in order to create the movement. And right. there he was doing horses and ballerinas, all movement. So. But now another thing that you bring up that I think is important, and I also was experimenting with, is the idea of keeping everything, all the edges, very fuzzy. And I think in many of these great artists would put something down, and when we talk about that blot method, it is, um, it's at once a big blur, and then as you bring things into focus, there's still a lot of fuzziness. And when I would find myself in these um, in the studio painting in the past 15 days, I would immediately, as soon as I found that I got too edgy in something, um, I would knock those edges down, and the painting uh, almost every time became alive again. That's now, do you have a... Yeah, I want to well, ask you well, a question. Okay, so Why do you think that happened? Oh, I, I think I think the the painting has to remain a mystery in some cases. Yeah. And I think the best way of explaining a mystery yeah. would be that sort of uh, the blurry effect, you might say, that we can't really be sure. Or the Boston School of pulling it out of the fog. So, yeah. and when I always think of that term, pulling it out of the fog, I can see the silhouette uh, in a in a, and I don't even know where I am because the fog's so mm -hmm. thick. But somebody brought me to this plot we're going to paint, and I see the silhouette of a building and a stone wall here, and it's very. And then the fog lifts, and oh, I get a little peek of it, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's a building. So I start drawing the building, and the fog rolls back in, the building disappears. I'm back to the silhouette again. And that was my lesson about the fact that sometimes you don't get it right right off the bat. Right. And if you keep it in the blur, it maybe makes it better. It makes well, it now, more Well, now I'm going to also is add... That, is is yeah, that what you're thinking? I, and also, I was just going to add another little psychological component to this, and that is that we have in our brain, so we're wired, we're kind of wired to try to engage and make out something in an ambiguous situation. So when we look out, and I know all of us have done it, you know, we look out and say, do you think that's a little white boat out there or is that maybe something else? Or, you know, you just can't quite figure out what it is. Well, this idea of this ambiguity in painting is that we immediately begin to become 
more engaged, don't you feel? Oh, I definitely think... It's the think... same thing as what somebody is doing when they're looking at our painting. Yes, and, and so many painters that I've met over the years, exactly the same state of mind, you know. Um, and it, it's, it's not easy to explain. And I don't think yeah. people explain, at least the older painters I knew on Cape Ann could come up and tell me advice that fit exactly what I needed, good advice, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, simple things like, there's nothing out there in the world that's white, David. So don't <laughs> worry about it. it. It's all got a little color. And when that, you know, I'm just a young kid painter, and here's this old, wise Gloucester artist, and he says, don't forget, you know, that sort of thing. And it was always, you know, sort of like, hey, good to see you, smack on the back, you know, and hey, you're looking good, you know, the... The sea, the sea guys who like to go down yeah. by and paint the boats and things like yeah. that. But, you know, getting back to the, the topic, um, you, you were saying how much imagination you used. I sort of did something a little different yeah. um, in that I was doing setting up interiors. And I was trying to figure out ways of doing interiors that aren't sort of, um, you know, Vermeer-like, a little too obvious, you know, the, which is absolutely beautiful. There's nobody better, and I'm not yeah. trying to compare... With Vermeer, but I was trying to do something a little different than that as an interior, and um, so as you set up these forms, and they're so obvious because there's this background to it, that the that principle of figure ground really really applies in an interior. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a landscape, it doesn't always. I mean, there's so many options that yeah. just to say it's a figure ground idea, I don't think would work. But in the interior, because you're in this little I, box, I, yeah. it really makes a difference. So mm. I've been studying out you know, the best ways to do it. And the interesting thing is we're both in agreement. Now, I started off with uh, not a blot, but a sort of a chiaroscuro impression, just sort of black and a little burnt sienna and just made my impression of everything I saw. And if they were dark, I connected them all up and saw only the negative spaces or abstract shapes that each was making. And then I took the second step, which was to tighten it up a little bit more, but sticking with that same method of, a, of a, like a blot technique of just seeing the design uh, first and holding on to that for the longest time. And I found that it made my shapes easier to find and establish. So in three hours, I got a reasonable likeness to what I was seeing. But it's exactly what you were saying. If you... When, when it's time to turn that edge and on that particular form, it's because of the design and not because of, oh, i got to make the yeah, flower look more three-dimensional. Right. Now I'll make the telephone over here three-dimensional. Right. It's, it's all in relationship. So it, right. it, you, as you say, the best method is to keep it in that sort of fuzzy, blurry world. Which is that world, unity. Yeah. Which holds which, the gestalt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What, what so, have you been doing, yeah. <laughs> Judy? <laughs> I've been catching up on my sleep, but I haven't been doing. Um, from the Besides beginning raising of, beautiful orchids? Yes, yes. yes, I have some beautiful orchids. And, you know, when you have flowers in the house, it, it, it they're just so beautiful. It's just so uplifting. It just gives you a it's different true. impression of, uh, of what's going on. You, you feel like there's hope out there. Um, I'd been working on a talk I was supposed to give for the Cape Ann Museum on the uh, exhibition by Tom and T.M. Nicholas, uh, A Father and Son's Journey in Paint. And I'd been writing copious notes. I'd got all the images in my mind about the organisation of the 
of the exhibition so I could talk about the pieces as I went around. Uh, and then two days before it, of course, it was cancelled because we were uh, getting into the idea of isolating more and social distancing. Uh, and I felt so bad because it's uh, it was a beautiful exhibition and I'm not sure that it, uh, when the museum opens whether the, the exhibition will continue for a short time or whether they'll go straight into the rest of their calendar that's probably already set. Mm. I'd been working on a presentation for the Cape and College Women's Club uh, on... Uh, I was going to sort of do something on uh, Gloucester through the ages, um, as uh, how they'd been, how it was represented by different artists, beginning with somebody like Fitzhenry Lane, who was one of the earliest people to be to be painting and influencing others to come, and Winslow Homer and Jane Peterson was an early uh, an early artist coming here. There were, there were so many yeah, good names. It's very hard to to isolate the ones you want to talk about because there's so many good painters. But it's interesting when you see how various painters um, did the same kind of scenes. You know, they all worked down by the docks, they were painting in the streets, they were painting the local people. Uh, and it's just fascinating to see, you know, a history of Gloucester in, in paint. Um, that one uh, was cancelled, but hopefully will be rescheduled for the fall, which will take place in Gloucester. And David and I were also going to be doing the uh, a Hibbard lecture at the Whistler House uh, Museum of Art in Lowell. And sadly, that one got uh, rescheduled too. I think it got pushed up to, I'm not sure if it's the fall or the beginning of next year. Uh, but there's a lot of, uh, lot of things that we were hoping to do to be able to share our love of art, art appreciation, art education... Uh, and of course, all these things uh, got sort of stopped in their tracks. Uh, whether we can put anything online to to catch up with some of these things, I I, I don't know. Can they still see the Nicholas show? Yeah. Um, I mean, is the museum open? Do you know? It wasn't. Uh, I no, thought. I well, I thought it, it was. It, most places were going to be sort of closed until the end of March. And now, of course, because yeah, they're suggesting the that there should April. be more isolation till end of April. Uh, I would think most people will go by those guidelines. Um, and so maybe, you know, there's a, we should be encouraging people to, uh, to look at art books. I mean, there's plenty of information online. You can go and have a virtual tour of many, uh, many of the museums or look at particular right. artists. Uh, it's just there is something very relaxing, I think, about looking at, at fine art. And as you say, Connie, it's, uh, art was supposed to be a safe haven in uh, in troubled times and uh, it it can be and perhaps for those who never tried painting or maybe they should uh, do you think it would be a good exercise yeah. for people to to look to their imagination and their creativity to help them through the day that perhaps long days for people who aren't used to being at home all the time Right. Um, I think, David, would you, uh, we would challenge people to get out there and either paint an imaginary painting or paint an interior of their home, any, any room or anything like that. And David, before this podcast started, he was talking about how he was going to give all these prizes oh. 
to people. <laughs> and, of course, it's going to be... Because there's going to be lots of small print yeah. for them to well, read. Well, <laughs> it is an interesting exercise if you're at home and you're... First, second, It doesn't third. matter whether... But set up your easel and do your right. living room. And I think you'll surprise... I was very surprised to and see people who yourself. did this and, exercise, yeah. how personal they were and yeah. how beautiful they were because they were aesthetically pleasing in their own way, right? And mm -hmm. and it brought out all those principles of art, like what we were talking about with design. And uh, you saw that in, in their in their interiors and how they set it up and and we people would talk about why they did it and that sort of thing. So yeah, I was seriously thinking of a of a, so maybe there's going to be a contest a contest to to paint your own you know your inside so, the interior. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean I'm I love landscape, love to be outdoors painting landscape, plain air. There's no other better way of seeing it because if you can you know it's mm. like um, rather than being in your studio to paint a tree, if I can go out and walk around the tree. It'd be a miracle. No, and I mean feel be... the tree and exactly. smell the tree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, the trees. Yeah, the trees. Nothing like the trees. Yeah. But it's true uh, that that is the essence of it. But in in an interior, you're doing obvious designs. But if you follow some some mm -hmm. of this idea, what Connie and I were talking about, because she was doing this in her own studio up in Maine, and I was doing this in my studio. Yet the similarity of thinking was really right. amazing. You know right. how we wanted to keep the it going. Unconscious. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I no, I, I think because we've been discussing these sight and insight programs, and that's that's sort of what we're organizing is some of these sight and insight ideas, um, which emphasize I think the principle basically was that um, music, uh, color, and design mm -hmm. all seem to arrive in the person's. Um, imagination create is cr the creative side of one, right? Uh, well, they're the aspects that we can play with in in the creative process, I think. And each person has their own way of interpreting these and and designing something. Um, I mean, the challenge is to not jump to a photograph or to a you know, somebody else's painting or something like that, and just stay with the process of, okay, I see trees, I see, you know, some light hitting it from from the left side or blah, 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 and you start just getting into your your process and then sit down and take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> so this is why an artist should... Um you know, be very observant when they're out at dark so that when they are stuck inside, they can rely on memory painting yeah. to some extent to, to go with their imagination to, exactly. to create something. Exactly. Um, do you have any words of wisdom, David? <laughs> no, I think I think those that's a great challenge. It really is. I, I believe that if So uh, is it a lobster roll? The lobster roll. Or what is first it? Prize is a lobster what roll. is the first prize? <laughs> the first Embossed. prize. Well, it's it, a golden boss. I think lobster if I did roll. a first prize, it might be a free. Uh, I have a workshop in the summer, all being well, that we can fly these workshops. Uh, figure in the garden. Uh, Judy so be free. is a beautiful gardener. So that would workshop would be, uh, yep, that would be first prize, and that would be, a, you'd be a, the invited guest, the prize winner. Um, and the uh, second prize would be the Boats and Buildings Workshop, if that goes in July. Uh -huh. And uh, that's prize. a great one. 
You know, we used to call that the celebrity workshop. Because <laughs> <laughs> not that we had a lot of big celebrities, but everybody felt like a celebrity. <laughs> they were all it very was. nice. Those were all, it was the Celebrities. same crew year in, year out, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it still is, but um, if that flies, that would be second. And then third would be a private lesson. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, four-hour private lesson. And the um, honorable mention would be the lobster roll. The honorable yeah. mention lobster roll, sure. <laughs> I haven't had a lobster roll in ages. Well, it's so, so um, this is going to be won. one that's gold-plated. Oh. <laughs> also, too, the, you know, the, the concept of being in your studio. Uh, my brother Alan had posted something on Facebook where it was a picture of somebody painting in their studio, and they said this was uh, uh, before coronavirus, and there's the same picture on the other side, on the right side, and it's the same exact image of the person standing at the easel painting and saying this is after the coronavirus. So, <laughs> so, so we don't change. Keep on trucking, you know, <laughs> yeah. keep on keep on painting, uh, chop, chop. You know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you have to... You have those to get brushes go and there's nothing better than if you're listening to this podcast to be inspired it's there's nothing better than giving it a shot and the blot method is very yeah. basic you know mm -hmm. you're better off than making a scribble and then take a deep breath as Connie says and look at it and what do you see you know and yeah. try to try to pull it out of the mist try to keep it evolving and rotating it just mm -hmm. and that's one of the key principles of, in good painting and good music and good theater and good yeah. uh, good podcasting is the rhythm <laughs> you know the, the rhythm is always the yeah. overlay and the thing that holds it all together and rhythm. I, rhythm is very you got to have rhythm you got to have it <laughs> yeah you gotta have it. that's it <laughs> you got to accentuate the positive. That's right. Okay, so this contest then, uh, is this just something you're thinking about that you just plucked out of the ether? Or yeah, if you, get the email, if you get the email, it will be, yes, it did come from the ether, but it's um, it, if you get an email, that you, then you're in the contest. Okay, so you will be emailing information out to people at some yes. point. Um, Probably this week, right? Yeah, yeah. just the yeah. you know. So it's the beginning of Easter. Mm -hmm. It's uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. uh, the whole it's month April. of April is yeah. is always you know in New England here, especially southern New England, it just just starts opening up. You just know, from those so exciting. Yeah. It's like little fireworks. Somebody described to me watching these, you know, time lapse of a bud yeah. unfolding mm -hmm. into a blossom, mm -hmm. and um, spring is always a great oh, reward here fabulous, in New England yeah. because. The seasons are so distinct, you know. I know the, it, winter I is winter, them. and you know, spring is spring, and summer it's in uh, fall. That's very profound. Can, can we quote you on that? <laughs> well, when did the painters come to Gloucester? Well, they came in the summertime. Mostly. Oh, well, yeah, yeah uh, they came at different times depending who they were and, and their commitments. Obviously, the teachers could only come when the, uh, the schools were closed for the summer. But, um, yeah, it is. It's, we're very fortunate to live in an area like this because it has so much history. It has, mm -hmm. you just feel it's, it's tangible. When you're walking around Rocky Neck, um, you can just feel, hey, you know, there's Winslow Homer just down there pushing his boat out to go and stay on the island and get his paintings <laughs> on. And it's, uh, it, you know, it's just an amazing place. So we hope uh, people will continue to be enjoy uh, Cape Ann, hopefully once uh, all this virus is over and we can come out of our bonkers, it would mm -hmm. be great to just 
walk around and appreciate what's what's Well, the art us. history here is immense. I mean, I was just mm -hmm. thinking about all the homes that Hopper painted, Edward Hopper painted here in Cape Ann. Are almost, a lot of them are still intact the way yeah, he look, painted just, them. Just the same. <laughs> they haven't changed them as if they knew it was a a paintable building, yeah. and therefore yeah. it stayed. And and Cape Ann's got. Well, I think know. the MFA had a tour of Hopper's houses, they, an exhibition yeah. of Hopper's houses, and then they did a tour of them. Yeah. Uh, and they wow. really had changed very little from the actual paintings. Wow. So, uh, yeah, well, we're uh, almost out of time because I know uh, these guys are anxious to uh, get some painting done. So we'll say goodbye for now. Uh, thank you for joining us. Please stay safe. Stay healthy, uh, and we'll hope you join us uh, next time, hopefully next week, for another edition of the Sight and Insight podcast. And don't forget, keep on painting. Hey.